Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. Today, I want to talk about uh, follow-through brings breakthrough. Um, in regards to this, I, I was thinking about how each and every one of us need breakthrough in our lives. None of us can go without it. We all need it at some point in our lives we want breakthrough maybe you're struggling in a relationship right now a relationship with a spouse or with a friend or with whatever it is and you're just going man i just need breakthrough in that relationship i need some healing i need something to take place maybe it is a physical healing you've been struggling with for quite a while and you're like i need breakthrough lord god in this area maybe it's finances we had a prayer request this morning for financial provision and the Lord is saying, man, I want to bring breakthrough in your life. So in regards to breakthrough and finding out how do we get this breakthrough, of course, because it's Mother's Day, I'm going to talk about a woman in the Bible today. So if you're open with me to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. And I called my friend Tandy up yesterday, or Friday, it was her birthday. And remember, Tandy married my uncle who just passed away. And so I was calling to, to just encourage her and say happy birthday. And I said, and what are you preaching? Because she's preaching now in her church. And we're both preaching today on Mother's Day in our churches. Because shouldn't you hear from your mother of the house today? And she's preaching. And she's only preached like three or four times already. And she's still pretty. So she was preaching on Hannah. And it was really cool. So we, we like preached each other's sermons. And she's, she's got some great points. She's a, David always said that we preach sermonettes. And they preached full-length sermon. So she'll be going about an hour today. I'll be going about a half hour. That's, you know, that's my sermonette. That's what you get. So uh, open up your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 1, and I'll pray over the word. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word, because it's alive, it's living, it is fresh and real to us. And I thank you that you are going to speak to each and every person in this room this morning. Holy Spirit, come and bring a revelation to us that breakthrough can happen in each and every life here this morning that hears the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Chapter 1, verse 3. Year after year, this man, that's Elkanah, went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Penaniah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival provoked her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I need more to you than ten sons? We're going to stop the story right there. Here's this man, Elkanah, has two wives. I guess we can call them like the sister wives or whatever, who knows. But anyway, so he had these two wives. Penaniah could have children. And she would tease and bug and irritate Hannah because Hannah couldn't have children. And Hannah would become so upset and so depressed about this that she would not eat. I don't relate to that too well. When most of us, when we get depressed or a little upset or things aren't going the way we want them to go, we want to please ourselves. And we want to give me some ice cream. I'm going by Dairy Queen to get a blizzard, right? Can you relate? Do I get an amen today? That, see, there's these, and, and what I've realized is there's different phases of depression. There's that depression where you just like, I want to satisfy myself in some way or another, but 
Hannah was way past this kind of depression. She was so depressed that, I mean, you have, you have this desire to have a child. I understand that desire. Most of us understand that desire. You want a child. And it was being denied year after year after year. And she entered into such a state of depression that she couldn't eat. She didn't want to eat. So I think there's people who have gotten into that stage as well. Those are the people that probably usually end like in suicide sometimes. They see no hope in life. They get so depressed about something that they quit eating. I can't, I don't even want my life to sustain. So we all experience the overeating stage of depression. But it gets to this stage where it's like, and not even words don't even help. But Hannah, her husband says, don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? I love you. The love of someone else doesn't even satisfy that in us. And this is the level of depression that Hannah was in. And I think that there's been maybe just like this much at one point when I thought, man, I just, this is just ridiculous. This is so hard that maybe just a smidgen I could relate to Hannah. But there's probably some of you in this room that could relate quite a bit to Hannah right here. And you go, wow, I just, I just want to give up. I'm just, and, uh, and words don't help. And people are trying to help you and they're trying to tell you, but I love you so much. Let me help. And you're like going, there's just nothing that satisfies in this world. And I'll tell you why. What Hannah did was the right thing. The only answer is the answer to turn to the Lord. When Hannah picked herself up and said, I'm going to turn to the Lord. That was her first step in doing what was right. We get to the point, I like this in Isaiah chapter 43. There's a scripture that says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you away, declares the Lord. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. The God of Israel is your Savior, because he says, I loved you. And do not be afraid, for I am with you. We have to realize that Hannah did the first thing, the most important thing. She turned to God in her time of sorrow and depression. That's the only place we'll find the right answer. In turning to the Lord for our answer. Turn to him for our breakthrough. And look, follow again with me in verse 9. This is where we're picking up the story. Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. And in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant... But give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Ooh, Hannah makes this, this commitment. I love it that she stands up in the presence of God. Isn't there something just too, when you change your posture and you say, man, I'm standing firm. She stands up, she has resolve. I'm going to be committed to something. I am going to commit myself to the Lord that if he brings me a child, the child will be the Lord's. She makes this vow to the Lord. I'm going to be committed to him. And she makes, can I say, the first move towards God. She went to the house of God and she stepped and said, Lord, this is what I will do. James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. When you humble yourself before the Lord, he will exalt you. She knew the right things to do, and she hadn't even read that scripture yet. 
oh, this is amazing. This woman, what an example that she turns to the Lord for her breakthrough, and she's the person who takes the first step. I can take a clue from that. I can say, Lord, yeah, that's what I need to do. And she makes this vow to the Lord. The, the vows are a hard thing to, when we make vows or commitments to the Lord, they're so much harder to keep than we think. Sometimes we make vows and commitments, and, and I think of the story of Peter. He made this amazing vow and commitment to the Lord, and I have to say that I probably more relate to Peter than Hannah when it comes to making vows to the Lord. So here's Peter, a follower of Christ. Remember, Jesus found him down by the shore catching fish, and he says, come follow me. Peter follows him for three years. Peter is following him. And then the day comes that Jesus gathers his disciples together. And in Mark chapter 14, verse 27, it says, Jesus says to all of them, you will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. And Peter, Peter declared this, even if all fall away, I won't. <laughs> Come on. I'm like, yeah, I would never, I would never not be with you, Lord. Then Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, today, yes, tonight, <laughs> like that, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself, you, will disown me three times. Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you, Lord. Look at this vow he made to him. And you and I can all relate. We're sitting in this room because we made the ultimate vow to, Lord, I will love you with all the, my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, come be boss of my life. Come be Lord of my life. Didn't we all make a vow to follow him? Just like Peter did when Jesus says, come follow me. We all did the same thing. Come, I want to follow you, Lord, all the days of my life. And Peter, we can relate to him a little more, right? Because then when the, that night, Jesus is arrested and he's carried off. And we all know what Peter did. Peter hangs back and he watches Jesus being taken off. And he's standing by a fire warming himself. And a little servant girl comes up and says, aren't you with him? No, 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 I, I don't. Uh -uh. Another, another person sees him. Aren't you one of his followers? Aren't you with him? No, no, no. And he gets a little more stern. I, I don't even know him. No, no, no. Third time he said, Aren't you with, somebody asked him, aren't you one of the disciples? Aren't you with them? And he says he called down curses. I don't know if that means he cussed or what. But it's like, why do you, I'm not with that man. Why do you keep asking me? And then the rooster crows. Whoa. I have found myself the same thing. Lord, I'll follow you all the days of my life. And then I get distracted with something in life. And do you hear the rooster crow? You go, ah, oh, this Man, why couldn't I be like Hannah instead of Peter? I want to follow the Lord all the days of my life and be more like him. I think Peter's big mistake was in verse 54 of chapter 14. As they're taking Jesus away, it says, Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And there he sat with the guards and warmed himself by the fire. This is the first instance we hear that Peter followed at a distance. Before, he's right next to Jesus. Jesus, whatever you want, I'll go wherever you go. I will follow you wherever you go. I will be there. I won't leave you. And then they arrest him and take him off, and he finds himself following at a distance. Can I tell you, when you put some distance between you and your relationship with the cross, 
And Jesus, it's inevitable that you will probably mess up on your vows and your commitments to the Lord. And not only that, the distance, but think about where he was. He is sitting at the fire warming himself with the very guards who had just arrested Jesus. Distance and the company we keep. Ouch. Ouch. It's like when I find myself not fulfilling the purposes of God, I think I should take inventory. Where am I? How is my walk with Christ? Have I been spending time in the word? Do I know what he's speaking to me right now? Or am I relying on other people to share with me what God is saying? Where's, how's my distance to him? And who am I hanging out with? Have I been fellowshipping with people that I need to be in contact with? Because that, if you find yourself with some distance and you're hanging out with the guards over here, you're probably going to say, I don't know him, and we'll start looking like them and acting like them, and I don't know who he is. That's how Peter messed up. But I want us to be more like Hannah, that even after she does what she does, look in, in 1 Samuel, go back to chapter 1 again. She turns to God. She puts him first. She does it first. And then it says in verse 18, May your servant find favor in your eyes. And she went away. She ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Hannah had hope in the Lord. Wow. She, she makes this tremendous vow. And I love the fact that not only when she turns to the Lord, now does she change the way she looks. She cleans her face. She eats something. She changes her. She acts as if she's already had a baby. She begins to hang on to that promise like it's already, I'm not downcast anymore. I don't care, Penn and I. You can say whatever you want. Give me that meat, hubby. Yeah, I'll eat it now. Right? She begins to eat. She begins to not be downcast anymore because she's put her hope in the Lord. First Thessalonians 4.13 says, we don't grieve like those who have no hope. We have hope. We don't grieve like other people. And she's not grieving like that anymore. She's having hope. In Psalm 25, 3, it says, No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. If that's where I put my hope, I will never be put to shame. That's the place I put my hope. So she turns to the Lord. She does it first, and then she says, And now she even looks different. I have my hope in you, Lord God, to fulfill the vow. But here's where the breakthrough happens. That was all just Hannah's lifestyle. But here's where the breakthrough happened. When the rubber met the road, would she do what she vowed she would do? This is where Peter messed up. But Hannah shows us how to do it right. In verse 24, she has this beautiful baby, Samuel. And when he was weaned, she took the boy along with her offering. And now we're in verse 27 of chapter 1. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted me what I ask of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Wow. Wow, this is where I'm a little more like Peter. I mean, can you imagine following through on a vow to give your son to the Lord? To take your son, Abraham understood this probably. To take your son and to offer your son to the Lord and say, here, you promised me this, and now I'm following through on my commitment. I'm going to do what I said I would do. 
And we want breakthrough in our lives. We want tremendous breakthrough. We're praying for a financial breakthrough. We're praying for breakthrough in our healing. But will we follow through on our vow? Because see, when you first gave your life to Christ, he said, I am the one who provides for you. And a tenth of all that you own belongs to me. And we, when we gave our lives to Christ and we said, you are first, then that means we are to tithe to him. It's just an overflow of, it's a vow that we make in putting him first. And yet when we find ourselves struggling and no finances, is it because we haven't completed the vow of tithing and giving to the house of God? It can apply to the relationship. Maybe my relationships are struggling because I haven't put Christ first in all my relationships. You have to be number one, Lord God. She follows through, and then, wow, watch this, okay? So she has, she has Samuel. She gives him to the Lord. And then in chapter 2, verse 18, but Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year, his mother made a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. And then they would go home, and the Lord was gracious to Hannah, and she gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. She who was barren is barren no longer. Five more kids God gave her. What a breakthrough! What a tremendous breakthrough. When you want a breakthrough in your life, you've got to follow through on the vows and the commitments. I'm not talking about salvation. Right, for sure. You give your life to Christ, and you have the goal and the hope of heaven someday. That's not what I'm talking about. But can I say to you that favor and breakthroughs are earned? Ouch. God doesn't guarantee you just like one of the scriptures that they said today. He's guaranteeing you're going to have some tough times. But if you will stick to your vows and your commitments to me, I have breakthrough for you. I have favor for you. Hannah's name meant favor and gracious. I have it for you. And she followed through on her vow, and the Lord gave her, I love this. This is sort of weird, but he gave her three more sons and two daughters. And then we know she had Samuel, right? Well, the day she left Samuel at the temple, she prayed this prayer over herself. And when she prayed this prayer, it was like a prophetic prayer that she was praying. In chapter 2, it says, Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. This is before she's had any other kids. This is the day she left Samuel at the temple. She doesn't know what breakthrough's coming yet. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock besides our God. And then she goes on to say, she who is barren has borne seven children. Wow. Prophetically, she's speaking over herself. The seven, the number of perfection. God is going to give me perfect. He's going to be there for me. He will perfect what I need. I love that, but I also see it as in Ephesians. It says God will do abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. And I guess she imagined six. And God said, well, I would have given you seven. I don't know. But I just know that my God is great. My God is amazing. And she prophetically prays this prayer before she's even had any breakthrough. She didn't let her face be downcast with breakthrough. Lord wants so much breakthrough for you and I as well. 
But we find ourselves like Peter. Let's think back to Peter now. Here he is experiencing no breakthrough. He's denied, his, denied Jesus. So what does he do? The only thing he knows to do, I guess, is go fishing again. He goes back fishing. And that same place that Jesus found him before, Jesus finds him again. But now the resurrected Jesus, the all-powerful Jesus, shows up on the shore. Peter, cast your net on the other side. Throws his net out, catches so many fish. Peter's like, it's Jesus! Get a clue, he dives in the water, swims to shore to be with Jesus. He cannot believe here's Jesus risen from the dead to see him, that person who messed up and didn't fulfill his vows. And Jesus says, come, bring some fish, let's eat. And he sits around the fire, and they're eating. And Jesus says these words to Peter, do you love me? Just like Peter's like, well, yeah, I love you. I love you. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. I know, but Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know how much I love you. Have you ever felt like that? Lord, you know how much I love you, but I failed you. I've messed up, Lord God. I screwed up. I messed up totally, and I denied you. And now you're, you're here with me, and you're showing me your love. And, Lord, I love you. And he says, he reminds him of his call. He says, feed my sheep. Remember long ago I said I was going to make you a fisher of men? Today I want to fulfill that vow in you again. Will you go and feed my sheep? Will you follow me? Will you put me first in your life once again? Will you do it? I love it. See, Jesus never gives up on us. Praise the Lord. Because, yeah, we've probably failed way more than Peter's like one mistake. So we're not even like Peter. I've messed up way more than that. But Peter becomes like a Hannah this day when he rededicates his life to Christ. He says, that commitment I made so long ago, this same spot, I remake it to you, Lord, today. I will follow you all the days of my life. Peter became the leader of the church. Did you know that? In, first, in Acts, the first chapter, all the disciples are gathered in the upper room, and Peter's the one who stood up and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Right? That's when you know that's the leader. They always stand up and say, here's what we're going to do. Right? And then, and then he gives them all these instructions. We're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And then they're waiting and they're praying in the upper room. Look at the kind of man Peter turned into. The Holy Spirit falls on all of them. And they're speaking in tongues and people outside are going, what in the world's going on? And Peter stands up. Peter stands up and walks out. And he says, this Jesus that you crucified, he is risen and seated in heaven. And he has sent the Holy Spirit on all of us. And what you're witnessing today is what Christ said. And he preaches this amazing sermon. 3,000 people get saved that day. This is the Peter with a renewed commitment to God amazing Peter who says, I'm going to fulfill my vow. I'm going to follow you. In Acts chapter 5, it talks about Peter would just be walking down the street. And people would line the streets with their sick on mats in hopes that his shadow would just cross over them. Whoa! Do you realize what kind of breakthrough God has for us if we would but just fulfill our vows? I believe that's why we're not seeing miraculous healings and all kinds of stuff because... 
ouch, most of us are probably like me, a little wishy-washy in my Christianity, and following Christ instead of seeking him wholeheartedly. Peter, experiencing the jail. They put him in jail in Acts chapter 12. He's locked in prison. Prison doors can't keep someone who's following Christ wholeheartedly. (laughs) Jesus shows up with some angels, and they just rip open the doors, and out goes Peter. Breakthrough. Thank you, Lord. Nothing can hinder us. Nothing can stop us when we are people who put Christ ahead of everything else. Worship team, you can come on up. I just really want to challenge us today. You need breakthrough in your finances. How you doing in your tithing? Ouch. I know, I don't mean to hurt you, but I want breakthrough for you. I want tremendous breakthrough for you. And you know, there's times when things that we've gone through are so tough. I mean, when we we lost David, it was tough. And you feel hopeless sometimes when you go through tremendous loss. And God says, man, just lean into me. I have hope for you. I have joy for you that you could not even understand. And now, instead of thinking of it as, and I think, wow, how can I preach more like David did? Man, i got to reach more people for Christ. That's what his life was all about. How can God can fulfill in us when we commit more fully to him? He's got tremendous breakthrough for us. He really does. And I think that I found myself in the last few weeks as I was preparing this, thinking, Lord, we always cry out. I always cry out and ask you to do this and do that and do that instead of say, Lord, change me. Remind me of that commitment that I first made to you. And I don't know where your place was. Peter's was on the shore of Galilee. And he sees Jesus once again, but I just want you to close your eyes and think about that first moment when you heard Jesus call your name. And you met him where, right there, you went to maybe the altar at some old church. I know some people, maybe a Billy Graham crusade. Where was that first place? That you heard Jesus say, come follow me. Come follow me. Come give your life to me. And I think it's like Peter this morning. That he saw Jesus on that shore and he just rushed to be with him. I just want us to remember our first love today. And let nothing hinder us from loving him completely and wholly with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't let jobs, don't let relationships, don't let money, don't let activities, nothing take you from that place where you are just you and Jesus. That everything else in life is nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. He is all we need. And I believe that Jesus would say to you this morning as your heads are bowed and you're just contemplating that place, he would say to you again, do you love me? Do you love me? Thank you for listening to Praise Center's Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit praisecenteronline.com.